Ultra Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Danny and Frenche is finally back once again. Welcome back, Frenche. Thanks. It's great to be Welcome back. Welcome back, Yeah, he's finally back. Um, it's our best, I don't say our, our best performing, but our, our favorite one to do of the year, our best podcast, favorite podcast, the award show. So we're going to, you know, go through the whole Serie A, tell you our team, tell you our picks for certain awards, all of that. And just, you know, reminisce on a, a great season, you know, first one back, you know, post-COVID without any, you know, restrictions or any fans missing the stadiums and all that. It wasn't too many COVID cases. There were a few early on, but um, as the season went on, it wasn't too many. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to telling you our picks. But before we get into it, like I just said, welcome back from Chef. He went to Wembley for Finalissima between Italy and Argentina and we already, you know, heard the funny stories because we talked to him while he was there. He FaceTimed when he showed us and all that. But you guys haven't heard anything from him in a while, and especially since he got back from that uh, disastrous match and he's doing nothing to defeat Argentina. So, Richard, talk about your trip a little bit. How was it? And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, no, I think uh, the trip as a whole was, a, was just an impulse decision by me. Um, I was actually at work one day and I got the notification from UEFA to buy the tickets for Finalisima. I saw the tickets were pretty affordable. So I said, you know what? Um, I'm 20 years old. I want to go watch this game. It's going to be Chiellini's last game. It's, it's a game I can't miss. Uh, let, let me go watch this game. I texted all my friends, including Enzo and Danny. And unfortunately, no one, uh, was able to make it out with me. So I said, you know what? Uh, looks like I'm going to England alone, uh, to watch the, this game between Italy and Argentina. At the time, I was extremely confident Italy would get the job done. Um, obviously, without the World Cup, I thought they would have this as, as an extra motivation to try to win over, win back over the uh, Italian fans. And uh, as we saw the scoreline, it just wasn't wasn't the case, unfortunately. But the overall trip was amazing. Uh, going to Europe by yourself and just experiencing a different culture was great. Um, my time at Wembley. Um, I'm not sure what happened with UEFA, but I can tell you this. If anyone saw the game on TV and you saw a lot of Argentina fans, that was definitely the case. There was 87,000 people in attendance at Wembley, and I'm a very strong believer at least 70,000 were Argentina fans. At least in my section and the sections near me, I was the, li- literally the only Italian fan there. Uh, so I was getting clowned uh, at the stadium a lot and in my sections, just friendly banter. Uh, l- luckily, nothing too serious. But um, UEFA, the way they organized the match was a disaster. Um, I don't think there should be nearly as much Argentina fans. Um, I'm not sure what how they got the tickets for Italian fans. No idea what happened there. But the atmosphere was all for Argentina. So I felt like Italy were playing an away match, which kind of sucked in that aspect. The performance itself was horrible. I'm sure we've all watched the game and uh, we all saw it was just a battering from Argentina. Um, they were on constant pressure. Italy had maybe two, maybe three chances the entire game, but it was nothing concrete, no concrete uh, chances. And Argentina were uh, definitely the better better team. Yeah, uh, it was... Obviously a good trip, you know, to go down to uh, England and get to experience different culture and all that. But obviously the match was uh, hard to watch from home. It's like only match over there. But uh, credit to Frenchia, you know, going to support his country on his own. And, uh, yeah, we'll certainly join you for in the future for future games. Hopefully, you know, we get more opportunities like that. Maybe a World Cup 2026. We'll see. They'll be coming That'll be cool. 
North America. So I'm sure by then we'll uh, make sure we attend as many games as we can and probably be better suited for uh, a time like that. You know, probably more money in the account and uh, get some more content for you guys by then. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping for telling us about your story there for sure. And uh, <laughs> unlucky result. Obviously, the Azuli have been uh, better since that match. Obviously, um, I don't really consider Nations like real games, more friendlies, but you know, we have to see younger players impress us. Nyonto seems to have uh, really captured the, the hearts of a lot of Italian <laughs> fans. Yes. And, I don't know, between the way he looks, he's just so small and, I don't know, kind of funny I to watch I think it's sometimes. the fact that he uh, still has a, an iPod shuffle, which, like, yeah. makes you, like, I don't know, I, I, and I like the way he, he hustled, too, against the German yeah, he, team. He and tough team, very tough team to yeah. make your debut against, and he provided the, the goal uh, assist, assist Pellegrini. to, yeah, to Pellegrini, who's also been incredible these last yeah, uh, yeah. these last two games in the Nations League, uh, but yeah, no, it's good to see like a lot of kids, uh, who maybe in the past you might not might not be able to, uh, get these opportunities because of the way um, we've been playing uh, prior to the disaster against uh, Macedonia. Uh, so it's nice to see guys like Zerbi get a chance, uh, Genato uh, get a chance, uh, Politano, uh, who again back even at the Euros was up fifty fifty with Bernadeschi, uh, for um. A year old spot. He's been playing all right uh, these last few games. Pellegrini's been stepping up. Uh, it's nice to see Tonali gain some action. Calabria, uh, Bastoni try uh, getting more action, developing into the defender we all want him to. And again, big boost with Spinozola coming back. Uh, so it's, it's looking the future looks brighter than it was a couple months ago. But there's still a long way, and there's still a lot of players that we're missing too. So hopefully we can get those guys back in the near future. And uh, this, I guess, like you could say this rebuild, you could say uh, that we are going through can uh, help spark our 2026 uh, World Cup. Yeah, of course, we can only hope these are just building blocks to a better future ahead. And, uh, yeah, I think Saturday's match in England will be the only match that's not a friendly, no matter, you know, Nations League, whatever league you want to call it, I think, uh, England's going to want that game back after what happened in the final, and I'm sure Italy's going to want to win that one just to, you know, it's never a bad thing to beat England, we'll say that. Never a bad more thing. More so than the, in the wound. In the wound, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I expect Manchester to put out maybe not a strongest lineup, but as strong as the lineup as they can, and uh, go for that win. I think it's going to be an important game for bragging rights. So hopefully uh, Italy can take that one. It'll be a nice one to win. And, uh, yeah, now we got that out of the way. We got the best part, the awards. So we made them last That's night. That's his favorite. Yeah, for Chad, <laughs> these awards. I'm sure he's going to have a, has a mall or something in there. <laughs> we'll never forget the, our, our first he's gonna ever Naga, He's going to have uh, Nagatomo in there. Yeah, Nagatomo. For those of you who don't know, and if you do know, you're an OG. Our first ever season uh, commencing, I want to commence, but ending. Uh, award show for Chad gave uh, Asamoa. What was? Oh no, you predicted him for. You predicted Asamoa was going to win MVP. Yeah, before the season. Yeah, he predicted Asamoa to be the season MVP. I believe uh, in the guy. You know, solid. Uh, and now he's in the picking corn from the from the farms, uh, wherever he is now. I think he's retired. I think he's retired. Yeah. 
Things <laughs> working in the farms right now or something. Who knows where it went? Well, yeah, that one didn't age too well. But, uh, <laughs> it didn't age at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be at all. But I'm sure, uh, Richard's gonna have some funny ones today. We'll see. But to start off, mm, I'm trying to think where we should start off here. You know, we'll start off with like best manager. I think this one can go a couple ways, you know. Sure. Some people think it's whoever won or whoever you know, has the most wins. Some think it's, um, whoever has maybe a less talented team and, you know, exceeded expectations and really took them past a limit that people thought they wouldn't be able to get past. Or, in my opinion, I'll tell you, actually, I'll tell you why I picked that after and why, but we'll start off with Dan. Dan, who did okay. you pick for coach of the year or manager of the year? For manager of the year, I actually put uh, Francesca. Um, he helped <laughs> our men's team uh, win indoor. Uh, side. I was on, it was a debate for me. Um, for me, I had two door for a little bit because uh, I just like the way he he took over uh, Verona um, and he helped them kind of find their form again, kind of find their feet, uh, and helped Caprari, uh, Simeone, and Barak. Uh, those guys, they, he turned them into absolute monsters of the season. They all had very good seasons. Uh, but I ended up giving it to uh, Italiano. I just like the way he came into this Fiorentina side. Um, throughout the first part, they had Blaovic. Uh, but then once he left, you can tell the team was – it took a big hit, but they stood strong. Uh, I believe they did finish uh, in a European spot or close to it. I believe it's seventh place. Oh, yeah, they're in uh, the Conference League. Yeah, they're in the Conference League. Uh, so that's a huge step for um, Fiorentina, especially for especially some good players since they have some good players. Um, it seems like they're going to get the, that midfielder from Hoffenheim, I believe. Uh, so that could be a huge step for them uh, into the Conference League push. And we all saw what Roma did in the Conference League. Uh, they started the tournament there. They ended up winning it. I can see maybe with a few players here and there, uh, if they can bring them in, maybe a likes of Torreira. Uh, I can see Fiorentina making a, a good push into the Conference League. And I believe Italiano's the main man for that. And uh, I just believe he's one of the best coaches in um, in Italy right now. And um, he's done a phenomenal job with Fiorentina. And uh, can't, I can't wait to see what he could potentially do uh, next season with them. Yeah, it's a solid pick then. Uh, Princhat, who do you got for manager of the year? So for manager of the year, I think I went with uh, a, a lot of fan favorites here. I went with Padre Pioli. The, the the reason I went with him is because last season, um, he, he was on the ropes with Milan. He They were thinking of sacking him and replacing him with Ralph Ragnick. Um, they, they kept faith in Pioli and uh, he delivered their promise and won Milan a Scudetto with a great team, but not the best. I don't think Milan were the best team in City. I definitely think they were stronger teams. Um, but Pioli got the job done with the players he had and built a very solid core and, and uh, won Milan their, their Scudetto first in a while. So I think uh, he was the manager of the year for me. Yeah, no, solid pick as well. I also went with Pioli. Um, I was debating. I was going through the list yesterday in my head, like all the managers, the Spalletti, Allegri, like the ends. The guy finished top four trophy list. Uh, what manager of the year? Yeah, I gotta be careful when I mention a name around this guy. But uh, I was going through all the managers: Mourinho, Sarri, uh, Italiano, obviously Gasparini. And to be honest, none of them really. Obviously, Italiano impressed me because you know getting Fiorentina to a European spot is always impressive. So Italiano was an option, and then Pioli. Even though I still do not think he's a great 
tactician. He's a great motivator. I think this Milan team to win with them is very impressive. They do not have um, an amazing starting lineup by any means. I don't think they even have a better starting lineup than, I don't know, like, I think there's four or five teams possibly with a better starting lineup than Milan. And for him to win with that team, with all the injuries they dealt with, Tamori missed a lot of time, uh, Mike Magnani missed a lot of time, uh, like all these guys missing time. It's a lot of time basically all the whole year, it feels like. Uh, there's he so like many injuries. Yeah, he was a coach at one point. So many obstacles in the way, and uh, they don't have a very uh, deep team as well. So for Pioli to do what he did with Milan is very impressive. And although I didn't think Milan played amazing football a year, they played winning football. They knew how to win games. And uh, I think Pioli got the best out of each player he possibly got, you know, quality out of. So I give credit to that. And Italiano was also a great pick there from Dan there to get Fiorentina to a conference league spot. Very impressive. Lovic left, obviously, and he adjusted and still kept them in Europe. So um, I think it was between those two, to be honest. Everyone else in between that, Gasparini was a shambles this year, absolutely terrible. Uh, Spalletti didn't impress me. He lost complete control of his team second half of the season. Allegri, um, just, I think they only scored like more than two goals twice this season, Juventus. I think that's the one. No, and the stat, the stat was we haven't won a game all season by winning two goals or more. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 that's the one. That's so a like, crazy stat. There's that. And then Inter and Zaghi, to me, cost them the Scudetto. If Conte is a yeah. coach, there's no doubt in my mind that Inter win this. They win that. Zaghi, yeah. Yeah, easily. And Zaghi's uh, known for this kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, they're lots of, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know like Inzaghi at all the second half of the year. Uh, Mourinho, I'll give him, obviously I'm going to be biased as a Roma coach, but at the same time, he had a very inexperienced team. Like, we had like seven Primavera players on the bench, not much to work with. Then he got the old conference again. I think we played 54 games this year, or 55 actually, so that's yeah, not easy to handle. So I'm okay with what he did, but obviously what Pioli did is way better. So yeah, I went with Pioli. And, uh, yeah, those are our managers of the year. Moving on now, we'll go with, Another light one. The most underrated player. When we added him last second. Okay. Who did you pick for most underrated player? My most underrated player. I think everyone's going to uh, to laugh at me here. But um, I went with Leonardo Panucci. I'm joking. Oh, relax, relax, relax. I was going to say. <laughs> no, I oh, went I thought uh, I, I didn't know Enzo said that's <laughs> under 32 player. <laughs> 34. <laughs> No, um, in all seriousness, um, I went with, I went with, uh, Sandro Tonali, I think. I I personally never liked Tonali, but I think what he did, uh, doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I think people still think he's a good player, but I don't think they're putting him on the map yet. So I, I put him as my best, my most underrated player for this season. Yeah, I guess that's a fair pick. Uh, Dan, who would you go with for most underrated player? I was thinking I was going to put Delaferio with no and ifs or buts because I just love what he did uh, this season with Udinese. He was there. Him and Beto were the main focal points. Um, I was debating even putting like Molina too, but I ended up going with uh, a fan favorite, um, especially in our group chats, Dombo and Gisa. Um, just, uh-huh. just the way he came into Italy, um, he was a big part of our midfield, uh, him and Laboca. But there was a stat too where um, 
Napoli won, I believe it was like 64% of their games when he was in the lineup. And when he was not in their lineup or he would miss the game, uh, they won like 39 or something percent of their games. And it was a crazy stat with um, with him. And, and you can tell Napoli are a different team with him in it. Uh, he would win the ball back. He would dribble by players. A very good uh, dribbler, a very strong player and very tough to get off the ball. Um, he did contribute to a couple of goals this season, even though they were late on. Uh, but for me, I think with uh, Gisa in the lineup and the fact that Napoli ended up uh, buying him for $15 million shows how much he means to our team, uh, how much he means to our lineup, because without him, our midfield didn't look the same uh, because Laboka doesn't play the same way. Uh, Fabian's not the same way as him. But uh, with Gisa in our lineup, uh, Napoli, are, we're a stronger team with him in the lineup. And uh, I just think he, he might get a lot more recognition uh, outside of uh, Napoli fans this season, and um, I'm just happy that uh, we ended up purchasing him for 15 million. Yeah, no, it's solid pick. I think we had a very good year for Napoli, and uh, they held down the fort for them when uh, things got tough and he was consistent. So yeah, it's a good pick from there from you. Then I went with a uh, surprising pick. I didn't think I'd pick at the beginning of the year. I went with Rick Karsdorp from uh, Roma, played right wing back for us this year. Just because I think consistency and availability. He played 36 City A games, which we know how tough that is to play 36 City A games at 38. It's very tough. And I think we all agree the most hiring positions and, you know, Calcio are probably box to box midfielder and wing backs. The wing backs essentially play two positions at once. And that's where Karlsdorf played. He had no real backup all year. And, uh, yeah, to play. 36 games is very impressive, and one of the games he missed out of the two, he had a red card, so he really missed one game. So, yeah, I was very impressed from uh, from Cards Rock this year, and even Coppa Italia played the both games he was supposed to play, and uh, yeah, I thought he did a very good job for Roma, considering the circumstances he was in. Mourinho counted on him really heavy, probably led to steady odd minutes, or up there at least, at the top, and uh, yeah, so yeah, credit to Cards Rock for what he did. And also, he'd play 90 minutes on a Thursday in uh, Bulgaria or whatever, and then two days later, play 90 minutes in, against Bologna or something. So, yeah, it's never an easy task. And, yeah, I picked uh, Ricard's the most underrated player. Now, we're going to move on to best U23 player. So, yeah. this one, Ossiman won the actual award. And, you know, we have a different pick. I have the same one. Um, I, I guess I'll throw up this time. I went with Sandro Tonali. I thought, um, like Richard mentioned, you know, not too long ago, I thought he was really crucial for Milan this year. I didn't rate him highly before the season, and I don't think I had a reason to. I thought he was poor in his first year for Milan. Uh, Brescia, he did well, but also he's coming from a Serie B team. Like, you, let's be honest, like, whatever you're doing in Serie B, we saw La Padula look like uh Baston. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in Serie B, we all thought Abdullah was going to score a uh, hundred goals in Serie A. I look at him. So, uh, yeah, he really surprised me this year. I thought he held down the fort for Milan. Um, he had more aggression and he looked more confident. Uh, he was better from set piece, just everywhere he looked better. And uh, yeah, you got to give him credit for the transformation he made and for the B. I don't know, to be a crucial player at that age for a Scudetto winning team, it's not very easy. And uh, the role he played, you know, you need to be a leader when you're playing as a defensive mate. You need to be some kind of leader, at least. And uh, I thought he was. And at a young age, like I said, it's very impressive. So I went with Sandro Tonali. Uh, Dan, who'd you go with? 
Yeah, uh, make that two for two. Um, I went with Sergio Tonelli as well. Um, I originally, like, prior to recording, I had Osimhen, but um, had some time to think over, think it over. Um, and I ended up giving it to Tonali uh, just because of what he did. he's done this season for Milan, a very crucial point for them. Uh, you can say he was their best midfielder. Maybe you can argue maybe their second-best player um, behind Leal. Um, he was very crucial, scored some big goals for them, uh, put, some, put in very good performances, uh, and he's slowly but surely developing into the Tonali that a lot of people saw potential in. Um, I was always a big fan of Tonali, and I liked him even at Brescia. Um, I wouldn't put him on the pedestal as Pirlo because of just, again, Pirlo's one of the most gifted midfielders I've ever seen uh, play on the field. And uh, Tonali, he's becoming a very focal point, a vocal point for uh, Milan and also the Azuri team. So I uh, put the best on the 23 player to uh, Sergio Tonali. Yeah, a great pick. Chet, who do you have for uh, best U23 player? As as good as Tonali was, I have him as mo- my most underrated player. Um, the best under-23 player, I have Dusan Vlaovic. From the start of the season, what he did with Fiorentina, to transitioning to, to that Juve team. And uh, I felt like he had a couple uh, bad games with Juve at, at the start to get adjusted. But once he was adjusted, he was back, back flying and scoring very crucial goals and setting up uh, a lot of great plays. So I have Dusan Vlaovic. There we go. So that wraps up our best U23 player. Now, goalkeeper, I will be shocked if someone has <laughs> anyone different. Yeah. No, can, <laughs> I can't just say it on three. I'll count down and we all say it on three. Let's see if anyone has something different. I think Richard has something different. He started laughing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't even imagine who else he'd pick. But, uh, okay, we'll just... Okay, I will go be you. Because okay, I have yeah. Mignon. I think that's... Cool yeah, 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 guys, I have Mignon. Okay, okay, okay. Because okay. he's sort of laughing because laughing. I'm like... Throw a curveball. He's gonna say, uh, he's gonna say, Marfella or something. Yeah, he's gonna throw a curveball. Yeah, I don't think this one we need to really, um, Scott to explain. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I was like, I think he had two assists as well this season as a goalkeeper, and he missed some time, which you know could have ruled him out, but then he came back strong, and like that time he missed never even happened. Yeah, I I don't know. Clean sheets. Yeah, to be honest, clean sheets, I don't really value it only a goalkeeper thing. I know a lot of people do. It's a defensive thing, too. Yeah, it's a defensive thing, too. I, I, I don't decide goalkeeper of the year based off clean sheets. It's not the metric I use, but just the importance of made, team. And, made some huge saves for Milan. Yeah, massive. Yeah, who knows? If he doesn't make – if any other goal in the league was a net for Milan, they will make those saves. Who knows yeah, if they so, win? So he, definitely. So uh, I, I think it had to be Magic Mike. And yeah, that's unanimous, I think. Um. Now, best defender, I think this one should be unanimous, but maybe there could be another name in there. I want with Bremer. Yeah, I want with Bremer, too. And you do for Chef? Yeah. Okay, so another unanimous from us. I think that one also. I think Torino only conceded like 31 goals this season, which is And I I believe he did a few games, too, when when the games he did. I believe the games he missed too. They averaged like I, I could be wrong, but it was like close to like two and a half goals or something. Like it was crazy yeah, with all him in the lineup. Crazy. And I don't remember ever watching someone beat him one on one. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, and especially because um, Osimhen too. He's one of the fastest players in the league, like style wise too. Like, uh, and you can see it too. Bermier, 
caught up to him. Marrero, he caught up to him. It's like holy cow! I don't remember this guy being this fast. It's like yeah, he must he definitely did some cardio uh, in the offseason last year because this guy is a bullet for a center back. It's unreal. Yeah, he, he's incredible. If he goes Inter, oh, look out, guys! That's very good signing for Inter. And just to take in mind how good their defense was, Torino, who finished in 10th, conceded 41 goals, and Lazio, who came 5th, conceded 58. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's uh, yeah, that's something, almost 20 goals difference conceded. So, yeah, Bremen, a huge impact player. And that number would have been lower if you didn't miss games. So, and even the last game with Roma, he didn't play, and Roma scored 3. So, yeah, he's a, he's a big part of Torino, and yeah, I think that's unanimous. Maybe you could have threw someone else in there, but I think it would be tough to overlook the Met after the yeah. Year. So, yeah, that's a unanimous one from us. Uh, best midfielder, I think this is where now we can change up a bit. I personally think it's maybe not unanimous, but close to unanimous. I went with Brozovic. Uh, I just think he's so important to what Inter does. <clears throat> does. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but like when he was out for that period of time. Inter was terrible. That was like yeah, the yeah. that was a period where they couldn't really win a game, and then that's where Milan caught up. If Brozovic just missed those games, I believe Inter win the Scudetto. I think he's that important yeah. to them. He's our engine. He's just. I think Inter has one of the best midfields in all of Europe when they're all healthy, in my opinion. They're just incredible the numbers they put up, and uh, Brozovic really the backbone of that. So I went with him. How about you guys? Andre, if you want to go, because mine's a little like. It's a fifty-fifty. Yeah. Like you can agree and then disagree with it. Yeah, I bet I I went with Tanali keeping. Um, I just think he he was incredible. Uh, but Angie, I have a good point with what Brozovic does with Inter. He's such a such an uh engine for Inter, and I always forget like when he's not in the team how how important he is for Inter. But uh, I went with Tanali just to see like how well he played this entire season and how important he was for that Milan side to win the Scudetto. Yeah, fair pick. Very sure. And I, for me, I went with uh, Savage. Um, I know any midfielder to get uh, 11 goals and 11 assists, a double-double, you can say. Very tough to do, especially with uh, either, like a team like Lazio, who really they only have maybe, you can say, like Mobile, who's their only threat. But for me, I truly believe, and I will stick by this, that Milikovic Savage is Lazio's best player. And when he's completely off his game, or out of the lineup, uh, they're a very different team. Uh, and with him, he can literally carry a lot to, to win the game. Uh, Savage, I think he's that good. Um, I'm just very surprised a team elsewhere or even in Italy hasn't snatched him up yet. So. You're surprised it's Soltito. <laughs> what do you expect? I'm just surprised, like a team like, because he's that good. Like uh, I'm surprised like a team like PSG, who we know they spend all the money in the world uh, to buy players. Haven't gotten them yet. A team like in the Prem, maybe. Uh, but I'm going to stick to Syria. Uh, but this guy's unreal. Like he, when he, when he's on his game and he's he's on, he, he's the best midfielder in Italy. I personally believe. And this, for him to continue to perform the way he has, um, especially under different coaches like Inzaghi, Sadi, uh, two different styles, you can say. And the way he had, you could say he had kind of like a one of the best seasons in his career this year. And I think Syria got the, I believe he won a midfield of the year for Syria as well, right? The Syria gave it to him. And I think that was the right pick because he, for me, was the best midfielder in Italy. Yeah, no, um, I can't complain with that uh, other than the team he plays for, but 
I know. I yeah. wish she was on a different team, but I wish she came to Juve, but uh, Latito doesn't want to make it happen. We'll give them uh, Demi and uh, Patania for her side. Yeah, that wraps up our best midfielder. I don't think anyone had any hot takes yet. Um, I can think of Tonali's part of close one midfield, but it's also not much of a hot take. Uh, I guess now best attacker. This one can go a lot of ways, I believe. Yeah. I think we could all have three different ones. We could all have the same one. We could all have I mean, two of the same one, one of a different one. We'll see. But I went with Domenico Berardi. Now, I was thinking of so many players to put in here. But then I just don't know how I can leave out someone with 15 goals and 14 assists. Like, I, on a team like Sassuolo, to get 14 assists, that's very, very, very hard to get. Even getting 10 assists on a good team with great players around you, like someone like Inter, for example, Chanago has 12. And with the players he has around him, Matado, all these guys. And for Paradis that have 14 assists and 15 goals, I just, I don't know how to leave him out. That's why I, I threw him in. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of options for best attacker. Uh, Dan, who did you end up going with? I ended up going with, I know this, this one might raise a lot of eyebrows, with Todd Martinez. Um, I just thought this year he, especially with, uh, without Lukaku, I feel like he slotted in that role perfectly. Uh, we all know Jekyll started off the season well, uh, but as the year went on, for me, it was Martinez. He was get, uh, scoring a lot of goals, providing a lot of assists, even got a few assists here and there too. Um, and I feel like if Inter won the Scudetto, it would have to be because of uh, guys like Brozovic, Perisic, and Martinez, you can give him a good shout because he was providing, he was giving it all. Uh, he's becoming the striker that a lot of Inter fans want him to. Uh, finally, playing as like uh, not a, like a, what's the word like not as Lukaku's side uh, sidekick, uh, but he's becoming the main focal point of the uh, Inter attack. And I feel like without him, who knows where Inter would have been uh, this season. But for me, he was uh, one of Inter's best players throughout the whole year. Obviously, behind the likes of Perisic and. Brozovic, but for me, uh, Martinez was the best attacker in the league. Yeah, no, solid pick. I think Otaro had a great year, and uh, he had a little slump, and then he picked it right back up, and uh, he finished the year strong. So, yeah, I think it's a great pick for you, Dan. Uh, for Chad, who did you go with for best attacker? I, I went with a fan favorite here, Rafael Liao. I think what he did with Milan was instrumental. Um, I think when we go to the MVP awards, I'll, I'll uh, say my case again, but I think he he was the one of the key reasons why Milan won the Scudetto. He, um, game in and game out, it looked like he was doing something to help Milan. Uh, in the games where they were scoring, assisting, doing something in the attack, being his man one-on-one. Uh, I feel like he was one of the best players in the league uh, this season, so he has to be the best attacker for me. Yeah, no, great pick. You can't really complain with uh, Leal, especially after he had. That wraps up our best attacker. Now, MVP, I think we're all going to have Leal. Uh, am I wrong? Yeah, I have Leal. Yeah. yeah, I have Leal. Um, I didn't go with best attacker for Leal because I don't think he was the best attacker. I think he was the most valuable to his team, though. No, I think he had the lead. Yeah. Eight goals to put his team ahead. So eight go-ahead goals. I think he scored 11. So almost every goal he scored was to put Neil on ahead. And, uh, yeah, he didn't score a crazy amount. But the goals he did score were crucial, so I think he's the most valuable yeah. to Milan. And no he was creating a lot of like chances, like uh, as a well. lot. As the, as the, like as the, you could say, the second part of the year, he was he just turned to prime Ronaldo. Like he was, yeah, he unbelievable. Was yeah, speed, playmaking, scoring himself. Like 
tracking back. He did everything. He really turned it up. And, uh, yeah, like, like I said, almost every, like, look at three assists of his all in the final match day. Like, whenever Milan needed him in a big match or they're trailing, provide, yeah. it would be him. So, I don't know. And then, then we were saying it, too, on the, I believe it was the podcast prior to, maybe, maybe two weeks prior to the uh, end of the year. We were talking about MVP, and we said if Inter win it, I think Martinez, we, I thought Martinez was going to win MVP. But I go, if Milan win it, then they'll give it to Leal. And Milan yeah, won and look who won MVP. So. Yeah, I think I think anything other than Leal would be hard to justify any other pick. Yeah, no, there was no. I I thought the winner was good after would get MVP. Like one of the players would have gotten MVP. Yeah, and that's like some player had like some kind of remarkable season that you can't really deny him of. Yeah, it's usually the best player on the winning team. That's usually who the MVP is, which I don't disagree with. So, uh, yeah, that's Leal, and we got more obviously to go through here. Now we got our best starting eleven, but before we get into that, we got most surprising club and most disappointing club. Uh, most surprising club. See, this I think we might have all different you know, yeah. like opinions on this or similar. It's like a fun one we added in. Um, most surprising club. I went with Milan because <laughs> I did <laughs> not think these guys yeah. are going to win the Scudetto. Yeah. If you go listen back to all of our takes before the season, I don't think anyone had them anywhere near winning the Scudetto. Maybe top we four we have them. Yeah, we have the top four. Yeah, I think top we four. even said Pioli may have been. I could it's be wrong. I think we even said before. Pioli may have been sacked this year too. Yeah, I know. Definitely the year before we said that for sure. Yeah. I, 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 I confidence in Pioli. I always liked him. Wow. Yeah, I think me and you, we had. You said November. I said he might make That's it. November. Just past Christmas, I said. I remember yeah, a couple was, years ago we were talking yeah. about that. And I'm still sticking to it. I don't think Pioli's a great manager, but I think he's a great motivator. And I think that's what this Milan team needed was a great motivator. And sometimes that's all you need. Like Conte, Conte is not a great tactician by any means, but he's a fantastic mm-hmm. motivator. When you give him the players he wants, he knows to get them ready for a game. So, uh, yeah, I, I went with Milan. I did not expect them to win at all. I'm still shocked that this might be the biggest upset Scudetto win in the last like 20, 30 years. Like, this starting lineup is not very good at all if you look at individual quality compared well, to Inter. Well, you somehow in Europe. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, in Europe, they got destroyed. Like, they lost the Liverpool C team. I guess they maybe they used that kind of, a, like, as motivation, too. Maybe. Like you, like, maybe the champion, maybe losing in the group stage was a little blessing because then teams focus could, on Serie A. Yeah, focus more on Serie A because Napoli were still in Europa League. Um, Juve were in Champions League. Roma had Conference League. Inter, they were the Champions, they League, got for a little bit Champions too. League for a little bit. Yeah. So they still had like a couple extra matches to play and prepare for. Milan, they just have to worry about the Coppa Italia and uh, the Scudetto. Yeah. Well, that's why it's, uh, it's, to be honest, kind of looks bad on the Serie A that a team that finished fourth in the Champions League group won the Serie A. It looks bad if you look at it like that, but also I think they won the city up because they got eliminated because I don't think they could yeah. have both. No way. But, uh, yeah, I'm still shocked as, like, very second that they won the Scudetto. I don't know how they won, but credit to them. They they were the mentally toughest, and I think we said all year, they won't be the best team that won the Scudetto. It'll be, it'll be the least shit team because, you know, <laughs> you really yeah. choke the team that takes advantage center. the most. Yeah. And I feel like that's, like, Maybe that there was just this one weird year where that happened, but that could be the motivation moving forward. It's the team that has the most character to win that can take advantage of the teams ahead of them dropping points. 
Milan did that. They agree. ended up winning Scudetto. Juve, Napoli, Inter, Milan. That was like a, to be honest, a shit show of a Scudetto race. Like a, oh. It wasn't like all these teams are playing beautiful football, destroying these smaller teams, and then when they play each other, it's a good thing. It, no, it's, they're just taking turns choking every week, and whoever can choke the least amount would win. Yeah. And it was Milan at the end. So I think uh, this year favored them, obviously. Uh, to win the Scudetto, I think last year the winner had 92 points. I think Inter had. So um, they weren't going to field last year. I don't, I don't think any other year before that for a while. But you know, this year that was the situation they were in, and I think Pioli did a great job to motivate them, get the players ready, um, get past the injuries that they had to suffer through. And uh, yeah, credit to me, I'd say they surprised the the heck out of me. So yeah, congrats to them. Uh, Dan, who do you have most surprising team? And you called it uh, prior to our podcast on the little call we I had. Uh, I have Sal- Salernitana. Um, I was thinking about that. Uh, Sabatini and Nicola coming in, they didn't look good at all. They're, like the way they were playing, just the team in general didn't look good. But once those guys came in, they brought some players in and the team looked like they were rejuvenated and they found a way to survive uh, the Syria draw, uh, the Syria beat against the Syria B. And for me, it's a it's a cool story because they're also from Campania, so it's a little rivalry with Napoli too. So it's kind of cool to see them stay up. Maybe we can build a rivalry off of them, hopefully. Uh, but it's yeah, it was surprising, uh, and we've seen this before uh, with a team like Leicester City. I'm not saying they're going to win the Scudetto, but a team like Leicester City barely uh, avoids relegation. They all go on the next season to win the Scudetto. You don't know what this could do for a team like them. Uh, they could maybe push up, maybe off the table, maybe finish 14th, 15th place this year. So, for me, the most surprising team was uh, Salernitana. Yeah, I'm actually in agreement with Dan here. Uh, I wow. thought this was going to be a hot take, but after, um, no, I thought no, they relegated no. the entire season. Uh, and then the final match days, they, they rose from the dead, it, it seemed like, and they really the put in The fact that they got blown out by Udinese and still... <laughs> yeah. And I know. Syria, it, 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 it was a crazy end for them. Crazy. It, it, was an, it was a crazy end for them. Uh, I'm happy for them and, and their fans um, to stay in Syria just barely. Um, I'm happy Cagliari got, got sent down to Syria B. I fucking hate them. Uh, but uh, I'm happy for... Uh, for them and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens next season in Serie A. Yeah, no, I had a feeling you guys are going to pick Sornitana. I, I talked to Dan for a podcast. I <laughs> said that I think it's Sornitana. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking about them. They're very close to being my pick. But then I want to go listen back to the podcast we did before. Yeah, that pick is a very good and, pick. Yeah, I did not expect them at all. And <laughs> I still don't believe it. So yeah, that's always a fun one, most surprising team. Uh, most disappointing team. Dan said you're going to have uh, a hot take on this one, or like maybe not a hot take, but like a different one. Um, I feel like Richard maybe picked the same one as me. I went with Atalanta. I re- oh, yeah, interesting. Richard. See, I think uh, Richard went with me. Maybe, I yeah. Like, yeah. I thought Atalanta was abysmal. I, like, oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, hot trash. Uh, and maybe it's being harsh because they were never really supposed to be this big team. Like it only happened recently. But just the recent success. Yeah. Like they, they shouldn't be an eighth, where is it? Eighth place. I think they finished. Not even Europe. I don't think they finished in anything. They, they they miss on everything. Maybe it could be a good thing for next year. Only focused on said, yeah, but 
Atalanta to me were abysmal. They played horrific on, you know, they're known for their goal scoring, but there's a lot of games where they couldn't score a goal that saved their life. Um, and defensively, it's been the same thing now for three, four years. They just can't defend at all. It's, uh, pretty hard to watch at times. And, uh, yeah, I thought Atalanta was terrible. Like, for example, at the last, I think, second last match against Milan, everyone's thinking, oh, Milan has to play Atalanta. They might, uh, lose Scudetto here. Atalanta got ran over. Like, yeah, they, uh, they're not the same. If that's Atalanta year before, I guarantee you they get a draw or what have that. Like, Atalanta, that team that's known for spoiling, you know, the top three or top two, like, chances to win something. Like, when you play Atalanta, you're like, oh, God, they got to play Atalanta. Not Roma like beat them twice up. this year. Like, yeah. We, we barely, we lost, we barely lost to them with our C team. Like, it was terrible. Yeah, like, right. it was sad. We had a C team and then we went to Atalanta where it's like, oh shit, we have to go into their, them, uh, to, uh, uh, Bergamo again. And we ended up like wiping the floor with them. So, yeah, I, I agree yeah, with I that pick. I actually, I, I was, I, I'm in agreement with that pick as well. And, but for me, I don't know. Guys, I know the goal wasn't to win it this year, but I put Napoli as most of the supporting club. Um, oh, wow. For me, it was more personal, uh, this pick. Just the fact that we had the Scudetto in our hands. Like, we, it was there for us. It was our Scudetto yeah. at one point to win. That's fair. And, uh, or sorry, for our Scudetto to lose. And just the fact that we started off on this unbelievable run where we went, I believe, 11 unbeaten. And then all of a sudden, it just shit hit the fan. And then we started losing games, started dropping points. We lost twice to Ampoli, first of all. A game that we were up 2-0 and we ended up losing 3-2. We blew a game late to Roma, which killed us. We lost to Fiorentina, killed us. We lost to Milan in our home, in our own stadium, where this was the most hyped-up game in the last God knows how long. For us, this was this was our Scudetto game. We lose this game. We didn't just lose. We played terrible. Uh, so for me, it was most disappointing because this was if this was the year Napoli could have won. If there was any year Napoli could have won Scudetto, obviously, you know, maybe we can win the next year. We won't. But this was the year because we were in first place. We were up there all year, and just the fact that Juve almost caught up to us, even though they started. Slump. They had a terrible start to the year. We were only, I think, six points up of Romar, who were. It looked like they were. Every week there was a different team. It was disappointing for me because we were once up there with Milan and Inter, and then we barely hanged on for uh, third place. So for me, it was obviously it was some success in the season that we got back into Champions League, but for me it was more disappointing because of. We could have, we could have easily, we not easily, but we could have won the Scudetto, and we, it was our own fault that we, uh, that we didn't win it. So for me, Napoli were the most disappointing club for me. Yeah, that's a fair pick. Considering the story you guys had, I think a lot of people said, "Oh wow, Napoli, this might be the year." Then, big fall off that happened. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good pick. Francesca, uh, who did uh, you end up going with, Juve? I, I went with Juve. Yeah, I think to have a team like Juve, not only not win the Scudetto, but to come fourth place for the second consecutive year, not win a single trophy, you choke in the Supercoppa, you choke in the Coppa Italia, you choke in the Champions League, I think it has to be a very disappointing year, considering the fact that we brought in Allegri, a quote-unquote 
man who wins games, man who gets things done, and he does this. I think there, there for me, there's no other disapp- more disappointing team. Uh, you look back at the beginning of the year. I know I had them winning Scudetto. Even if you didn't have them winning the Scudetto, you had them in the race for the Scudetto, and we weren't in the race. Um, uh, it's bad when a manager comes in halfway through the season and says we're not winning the Scudetto. So I mean, from from the start of the season, it it, it was a horrible start. We had a couple of uh, hope hopeful games. Uh, midway through the season when Vlahovic came, but other than that, it was just a it was a shit show. And the only positives we had in the season was when Allegri was out and Landucci was the manager. Yeah, no, uh, I think they're all fair picks. I think there could be you know five, six, seven teams that could have went with here um, for all different reasons. You know, obviously you've had a better season than a team like I don't know like Atalanta or whatever, but. A team like Juve to finish fourth is bad. It's all, you know, on perception. And, uh, yeah, uh, or like Napoli, for example, when they started, he can be – before the season, if you said, oh, Napoli came third, I'm sure Dan, you would have been happy. But oh, if, yeah. considering the start if you, you had. Said, if you had told me that uh, Napoli would finish third this year, just, okay, I'll take that. I'll be happy. But just the Definitely. fact that – I can't, I guess you can say, yeah. like, I kind of fell into false hope. Uh, I fell into that false hope trap. And I guess I – they really recover until like reality stopped me in the face when we lost to Empoli that we weren't going to win Scudetto. Uh, so I guess that a mix of everything. Uh, but yeah, no, I can agree with all three picks that we had. Uh, Juve again, a terrible. Uh, you could say it's a terrible year, but it's a year that you didn't expect from them. You would expect them to at least maybe win one trophy, if anything. Um, yeah, Atalanta. Yeah, I don't know what happened with them. I guess just. I guess reality settled into them uh, as well. But, yeah, all three picks we had were uh, yeah. very good. Like, they were agreeable picks we can see. And I'm just saying that I, my Spalletti take when you guys signed him is looking real good right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I think I warned you. I said something like, uh, the beginning is always beautiful, Spalletti. But by the end of it, it's going to be a hot mess. I think, I don't know, I think the end of next season might be the – a divorce of Spalletti. It's always like that. Yeah. To start totally off, it looks be. like you're doing beautiful things, and then it completely falls off. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Everyone knows my motivated coach. I can't stand him. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's a heartbreaker, bro. Off the girls with the teams. That's <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah. But yeah, I don't talk about that guy too much. I'm a loose hair like him, so we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, best starting eleven. You know, team this season. I think it's our probably our favorite one to do. Um, I'm not going to go position by position. I'm sure we all got different formations. I regret the formation I picked. I chose a basic 4-3-3. I did but, too. I did too, yeah. It's, it's tough because there's multiple strikers I want to put in. There's like five or six midfielders I want to put in. But, uh, yeah. I just went with the team of the year approach where, yes, like I'm trying to put wingers in for my 4-3-3, but I'm just going to put the best attackers. Yeah, like, no, like, fair enough. I went with... Um, Except for one player, I went for the position, but one player, actually, you can't leave him out, so I had to find a way to put him in. So uh, I guess I'll just start reading my team, and then Danny can go in and for checking it out. So for goalkeeper, I put Magic Mike. No surprises there. Left back, I went with Taylor Hernandez. I thought he was incredible this year for Milan. A real leader. That goal against Atalanta, we just talked about Atalanta now, but that goal against them was incredible. 
Uh, he's had a great year overall. And then center backs, obviously, Bermet had to go in there. I think we're all going to have him. And then I put Tamori. I think center back, there could have been a couple options you could put in there. Um, Chloe Bali is always an option. He's pretty, you know, just a fantastic defender, but, you know, he missed time. And then I feel like Tamori, he also missed time, but he was just sensational for Milan. And I think he had 73 tackles in 38 games, which I don't know about you guys, but that's like a crazy, that's a, yeah. that's a crazy stat. Like that's very hard. Like I want to go look at, so yeah, I think Chloe Bali had like 40 something. Yeah, I think big. he had like one and a half per game or, yeah. or 1.25 per game. And then yeah. Tomori had like close to like 1.5, 1.7. Yeah, Tomori, like 73 tackles in a 38 game season is like crazy. That's not yeah. easy. And he didn't play all 38 games. So to have 73 tackles, that's, that's incredible. So yeah, that blew my mind. But that wasn't the one that ultimately made up my mind. I was going to pick him anyways, but just Tomori, a great season from him. And uh, yeah, he's really become the cornerstone of Milan. Uh, right back, I went with Di Lorenzo. I'm sure Dan's gonna like that one. Oh. Wow. Uh, I thought, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, for obviously for the Azuri, um, it's like a different player, but for, for Napoli, did really well in the Serie A this season. Um, I don't think right back had a lot of options, to be honest, compared to like, you know, pastors like Hakimi and guys like that. Um, Dumfries, I'm not a big fan of him, personally. Um, I think he's a good spark plug, but, uh, I don't know. I just feel Di Lorenzo offers a, a different kind of style. He's better defensively, more balanced, I'd say, than Dumfries. He's kind of like a right winger. He's not really much of a defender, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, right back, those are a lot of options. And between Di Lorenzo and Karlsdorp, I thought he had a quiet year. That was good as well. But uh, I went with Di Lorenzo. Uh, in the midfield, I went with Brozovic, of course. And then Hakan, who Hakan completely changed my mind on him. Like, the year before that, Milan doesn't run back lazy, complacent, all this stuff. This year, he's running up and down like a, like Rajanango in his prime. Like, he's running up and down, defending, pressing. His work rates increased big time. I didn't think he had that in him. Then you add on top of that seven goals, 12 assists in the midfield for a team that came second. Like, he completely changed my mind on him as a player. I did not think that he had that in him. But yeah, that work rate increase really helped the Hakan have a great year, and I think uh, he was just sensational. And then, this is a tough one. Where, you know, I don't want to leave up Barella, but I ultimately did. I thought Barella had a great year, but just based off importance and what they mean to the team, I went with Lorenzo Pellegrini. I thought for us, I think in nine goals, five assists, but um, it wasn't even that, just he's running back for us, winning tackles, uh, the interception against, I think, who was that at the end of the year? I can't remember now, it might have been Venezia. But uh, he ran back. It was a 2-0, and then somehow got back in between them and cleared it out. Just little stuff like that. I think Pellegrini, you take him off Roma, we're out of the top 10 easily. Like, I can guarantee that. He's that important to this team. And, uh, yeah, the growth I saw under him, under Mourinho from uh, Pellegrini, I think it's exactly who he needed. And now you see him being a leader for the national team as well, and that's all Mourinho right there. Pellegrini was not <laughs> like that just a year ago. Mourinho really changed him as a player, kind of like he did to uh, – Wesley Snyder at Inter. It feels like the same kind of transformation you're seeing from Pellegrini right now. And, uh, yeah, I put Pellegrini in there beside Hakan and Brozovic. Then the attack, this is where it gets interesting. Um, so I put Pedisic left wing. Obviously, he played as a wing back, but I had to put him in this team. There's no way I can leave up Pedisic after the year he had. So I put him left wing. And obviously, that means I had to move Leal to striker, who Leal needs to be in every team like the year he had. Just incredible. And then right wing, I put Berardi, like I said, 15 goals, 14 assists. That's not something you see 
often at all. And especially a team like Sassuolo, that's, uh, that's historical right there. So I had to put it out in the team. There's guys I left out, like, uh, I really wanted to put Giroud because I thought he was really important for Milan. I really wanted to put Lataro, like Dan was talking about. Lataro was great, but it's only 11 spots. And uh, I should never went for a 4 3 3. I regret that now. I should went for a 3 5 2, like Dan said you went with. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, my team this season. Dan, let's hear uh, yours. Okay. So, obviously, in goal, I have Mignon. Uh, for my side backs, I don't think really much debate. Um, I have Vimir, uh, Tamori, and I put Koulibaly. Uh, for me, I just think, obviously, he missed a lot of time with injury and then the African Cup of Nations. But when he was there, you can tell he was in the lineup. Um, obviously, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Juan Jesus and Romani for when Koulibaly didn't play, they actually played very well for um, – for not having a, a world class center back, uh, they did really well to kind of fill in that role. But Napoli are a different team when Koulibaly are in the lineup. Um, he, he's just he's our lead. You can say he's the leader of the team. He's just very strong defender, very gifted defender, and one of the best in world football. So for me, it's no argument that I can't put him in there. Uh, so and then for my five midfielders, I have for right mid, I put Baradi who. He had a phenomenal season for uh, Swasolo. The ends, like you said, 15 goals and 14 assists. Incredible. Uh, just an incredible season. He, at one point, he was up there in, like, top four, top five of, like, those goal contributions. But on that list, it was, like, Benzema. Um, I think De Bruyne was on that list. Mbappe. Yeah, Hall, Salah. Was, yeah, yeah, Salah. Man, there were so many good players on that list. And then you see Ferrari there. So, for me, he was Swasolo's best player this season. And uh, and very incredible season he had. For my midfield, I have Brozovic. I don't think there's any reason for me to explain this. He was incredible for Inter this year. A uh, very key player for them. Uh, I got Savage, midfield of the year for me. Um, a very crucial point for uh, Lazio and Tonali. I put uh, just again very solid season for him. Uh, very you could say he had breakout year. A very crucial player for Milan and. Here's the one that you might not all have, but I think he deserves a lot of recognition for what he's done for Inter this year. Um, I put Perisic. Uh, for me, he was Inter's best player. This guy was unreal Definitely. this year. Uh, unreal, and it's it's a huge loss that um, he went to Spurs. Um, we'll see how maybe Golsens fills in, but for me, Perisic was um, Inter's best player, and uh, that's why he got into my team. And then for attack, I got Lutaro Martinez and uh, Rafael Leal. Yeah, I can't really complain with anyone on that team. I think it's a, that's a great team then. Uh, now for chat to uh, end it off, let's see uh, if you have any hot takes there. what's going on there. Well, I actually had a very similar team to yours. Um, oh, wow. So similar to you, I have the 4-3-3. I have Magic Mike and Net. My left back, I have Theo Hernandez as well. My center backs, I got Bremier and uh, Tomori. My right back, you know, I can never go with uh, the, the 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 little perm pretty boy over there. I had I went with Calabria. I felt like he missed wow. some games for Milan, but I think the games he did play, he was crucial for them. Um, my midfield three, I had Rosovic, Tonali, and Pellegrini. And then um, up top, I think the only hot take I have, which I don't consider a hot take, is I have Liao on the left. Ferrari on the right and Vlahovic up top. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a fair team. 
Yeah, this year is very hard because usually there's like, a, for example, like Ronaldo, who's like dominant, like, you know, 30 goals, whatever it was. Or there's Dybala, who, you know, when he's healthy, <laughs> he can do. <laughs> but uh, this year, there wasn't like, there's one dominant player. Like, obviously, Leal is like the unanimous MVP. We all like good, but he was not like his dominant. He didn't have like, you know, 25 goals, 20 goals, like 10 assists. One of them. This year, there's so many options you're going to pick. It's a pretty uh, fun team of season to make. I think it's a great city eye season. And like we said, very open one. Dan was saying before, Napoli could have won the Scudetto very easily. Um, Inter could have won it again. Juve, you know, if they avoided some of the slip-ups they had, they could have won it as well. The best slip-ups, it was one slip-up. We fired Pirlo for, for, for a dinosaur. Oh, God, I don't know I brought Juve up again. <laughs> uh, even Roma, I believe, we didn't have Conference League, because obviously Roma does not have the depth at all. We have, like, seven Primavera players on our bench. Like, that's, you can't win a Scudetto like that. But Roma only had one competition. Maybe Roma could have been in the race. Like, this year was so open. Like, it was unbelievable, and for that reason, there's so many players that really broke out or made a name for themselves. And no one was really dominant. I wouldn't say there's one like clear cut best player. Obviously, I was the most valuable player. But I don't think he was the best uh, player. Yeah. 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 Like, you, you can argue maybe Perisic could have won that if into one of the Yeah. Brozovic. Yeah. Like, that's why there's so many different players that could have won. Where I feel like past years, it was very clear like, this guy's the best player in Serie yeah. Yeah, I still think Dybala, and he's healthy. In my opinion, he's the best player in the city yeah, by far. Like, I think a healthy Paolo Dybala is just a different animal. Like, he's something else. That but we haven't seen him in a while. Pardon? When he wants to be. Yeah, when he wants. Yeah. I, th- I think his yeah. motivation has been out the window for, for the past six, seven months now. Don't tell that to uh, EA Sports. They gave him a team of the season. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how. I understand that either. Really. There's another guy in that lineup yeah. too that I don't know where I think, uh, they got that, but whatever. I think Dybala yeah. spent more minutes in the negotiation room than the pitch. That negotiation but. room, I, well, I wish he spent more time in the in the negotiation room. He had an illegal agent <laughs> spending spending time in that room. Oh God, yeah, we're opening up a whole different can of worms here, Francesco yeah. and Dybala. Let's, let's, let's close the worm can. Close it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's close the can here. But, uh, yeah, I think this season one of my favorite ones to watch just because it was so so messy in a way. Like, a new league leader every two seconds and then suddenly kind of storyline at the end. And it has a season. She always emerges as a, uh, like, a, I don't say a top coach, but a, a very good coach. Uh, like, so many, Liao, like, what a story for him. You know, we knew he was a, a dangerous player. I think last year, if you look at Leal, you'd say this guy is more of like a, an annoying, like, oh, I just, like, you're not scared of him going into the game, but you're someone like, oh, this guy's like quick, like he might damage us from a counter or something. Now, when you look at Leal, you say, oh, this guy's like a top player. He might score two on us and get a couple of assists. Like, you never know what he can do now. But, uh, yeah, we saw a lot of growth. I think Brozovic, we always knew how good he was. And, uh, I think next year will be interesting. Obviously, Yuba's looking to make a lot of new acquisitions. I think they're going to have big time next year, you know, Pogba. Who, if the old Pogba plays for Juve, the one you know we saw in the Serie A, play a different team. Uh, they're looking to add. It looks like Berardi now instead of Di Maria. Yeah, I think Di Maria so, might be going to Barca. Yeah, it's looking like he's heading well, there. Barca like pulled out because of his age, but I don't know. Xavi's a very good admirer of Di Maria, so he's probably going to want to give him to the board. Uh if we if we drop the ball on Di Maria, I don't know anymore. Yeah. 
I think the latest report on that whole situation now is that from Demar said Berardi is the main target now for Juve's attack. They're going after. So uh, Berardi on Juve, if he got 14 assists with Sassuolo, he might get 30 next year. So, like, <laughs> I still can't get over Berardi getting 14 assists with like Sassuolo. Like, I don't think people understand how hard that is. I think assisting is much harder than goal scoring because assisting, you're depending on someone else to get you that stat. Like, for example, like Pellegrini, he could have had like 40 assists this year. Like, I think he led the league in key passes or something. But, you know, we need people to finish the actual pass. He can't put the ball in that 42. So, for Bernardo to have 14 on Sassuolo with no, like, real goal scorer in that team, that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think he'd be a great pickup for Juve. When it comes to Italy, let's not talk about Bernardi. I still have the Macedonia <laughs> shot in my head. Like, there's a lot of players that, like, for example, like Lorenzo, Bernardi, like, guys like that, I put on my team, but for Italy, it's better we don't talk about them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think Bernardi would be incredible for uh, Juve. He still has a lot of years left in him, so, yeah, I think it'd be a great pickup, uh, depending on the price, of course. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to next year. I think Napoli need to do a better job of getting, you know, some top names in. They're getting. You know, some low-key guys. I think they're going to look good. And so I don't even know who's staying, who's going. Next year, Spots yeah. can come back from his uh, holiday with, uh, you know, the Drake song, Over. Oh, yeah. I, I know way too many people here right now. Like, <laughs> that I didn't know last year. Like, Paulie Town's going to be probably out the door. Uh, Dan May, who knows? Like, all these guys yeah, are going to be young. big change in, uh, in athletes. The as long as you get Delefeu and uh, Ostigard and keep Koulibaly and Mertens, I'll be happy. Yeah, it might be one of those years for Napoli, a step back to make two steps forward in the future. It might be one of those years where you take a step back, and then the year after, you're ready to acquire some big players, get some young guys, more minutes next year. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I think Roma also need to you know, bring in some better names now, because that's one good thing of you with bringing in Pogba. I feel like now more teams are going to follow suit. Inter, I think DiMarzio was the one that said that, even if they get Lukaku, it doesn't rule out Dybala, and vice versa. If they get Dybala, it does not rule out Lukaku. If they have a trident of Dybala, Lukaku, and Lataro, that's going to be uh, very, very difficult to beat. So, Serie A is looking good next year. I think um, it's going to be at least a two-horse race, three-horse race, maybe four. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. So, we'll be back maybe next week, maybe the week after. We'll see. It depends on the Calcio Mercato. Now, no games to cover. Italy is going to be done on Saturday. So we'll take some time to, you know, we'll still post on social media, of course. But uh, if there's any big news that we got to cover, we'll be back on the pod right away to cover it. And uh, hopefully, you know, Couch Mercato starts rolling. I have a feeling the ball is going to sign for Inter next week. I just something's telling me it's looking like that's going to be happening. We'll probably have more clarity on the Berardi thing to you, but, uh, you know, well, Lukaku's question. Well, based on Di Maria, we're waiting on the I prefer if we get Di Maria, but we'll see yeah, we'll have all more clarity very soon. So, you know, as players start coming back from vacation and all that, international duty. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if there's uh, enough news to talk about next week. We'll be back next week. Hopefully there is. If not, then we'll be back as soon as there's, you know, a lot of stuff to talk about and break down. So we're looking forward to it. I I know I really enjoy watching the market and see what's going on and talking about it. Those are some of my favorite podcasts, you know. Games are yeah. fun to cover, but, you know, after 38 games, you, it's kind of, you, you know. get tired. <laughs> yeah, you get tired. It's it's a lot of plays, a lot of goals, a lot of, you know, assists to talk about. It all adds up. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Couch Mercato and seeing how players might fit in the team next year. So, we'll see. Uh, thanks for listening. If you want to check out our 
our podcast on different platforms than the one you're listening to on right now. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, basically any of the top uh, podcasting networks. If you want to follow us on social media, it's at SixOutCouch on both Instagram and Twitter. We do not have Facebook anymore, and we do not want to deal with that app after uh, losing our Instagram account almost a year ago now. So Facebook, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll come back to Facebook one day, but... Uh, right now, that's our taste. Yeah, yeah, that's not happening. I think I sent at least 80 emails in that three months span trying to get that account back. It was not fun. So, yeah. Facebook, we'll see you maybe in the future, but not right now. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Be back hopefully next week with some great news in the market. If not, we'll hopefully. see you when we see you. And, uh, yeah, ciao. Ciao, Bye, guys.